Fabio Carrique, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. Uh, uh, another loss. Another loss, Marcus. Uh, welcome to the Blue Stable Podcast. If you're listening on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate if you hit the subscribe button, like this video, and comment down below what your biggest issue was with this loss on Sunday Colts falling to the Tennessee Titans 17 to 24 and they fall to one, two and one. And we definitely have a lot to get to. Also in this show, we are going to be previewing this Thursday night's uh, football game between the Colts and the Denver Broncos. So stick around for that segment as well. But uh, Marcus, AKA culture shock, man, how you feeling? It's Monday. Obviously there was some technical difficulties. Why we, couldn't record Sunday night post game and have it ready for you guys yesterday on Monday. Uh, apologies for that, but we are recording Monday night. So we've had a day to think about it. Let everything, you know, flow through, maybe uh, digest some, you know, stats, looking at some film, whatever the case may be, man. How, how you feeling? Well, as you can tell from the background, I'm still in the arena right now, just trying to soak it all in, but you know, I'm kind of content at where we are right now. You know what? After, you know, a day of just breathing and meditating, you just start to fully understand where the Colts are heading at this point. And I'm fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. So right now I'm relieved. <laughs> you know where they're headed, huh? Where's that? On to the draft, baby. <laughs> on to the draft. Okay. Hey, it might be time for Chris Ballard to finally make that move on the quarterback. But other than that, guys, uh, make sure you're also checking out our website at the Blue Stable. Plenty of content there. We got articles, great writers there who who write great stuff. We also had our post-game article drop just yesterday on Monday. And our guy Jack Goley, great article. Make sure you tune in for that. Some great quotes as well. So all those in the links are in the description below. Let's get into it, man. Uh, from the start, once again, the Colts were not ready. They were not ready to play this football game. It has been a trending topic for the last five years uh frank reich's team is not ready to play division games marcus they they are not ready and for whatever reason they start slow they have to get kicked in the ass to finally you know wake up but as we always do guys what we liked what we didn't like and where we're gonna go first here man uh pulling my notes up here the others you know, what we like, the others, uh, the, the pass catchers skill position groups were not the issue in this game at all. Uh, you had guys who stepped up Michael Pittman jr. Obviously getting double teamed. I, I believe from what I was seeing, I think it was bracket coverage, uh, had Christian Fulton, their number one guy out there. And then the all pro safety, Kevin Byard, uh, blanketing him up top. So it was really hard. I, I don't think he got a target in the second half. So 
three receptions, 31 yards. That was his stat line for the day. But everyone else, everyone else stepped up. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing, obviously the big one is Molly Cox. Two touchdowns, six receptions, 85 yards, two touchdowns. Back-to-back weeks, the tight end position gets two touchdowns. And somehow Jelani Woods only had one catch, one target today. That's, that, that's what was weird uh, from, from this game. Just, just no consistency in getting the ball in your dynamic player's hands, and I, I'm not, I'm a little confused on there. But Moali Cox obviously had the big day. Uh, Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell had a sighting today, or not today, uh, in the game. Four receptions, 43 yards. A couple of those were when Matt Ryan, you know, moved around in the pocket, stepped up, went off script a little bit, and Paris Campbell was there for the catch. Had a good solid day. You had Alec Pierce, who he's shown some of that stuff he did at Cincinnati. Those those contested catches in the air, high pointing the ball, four receptions, eighty yards. Then you had Kylan Granson. So the tight end room, to, to to my surprise, stepped up yesterday. They were the talk of the town. I believe that's ten catches for what is that? One hundred and twenty-seven yards. 10 catches for 127 yards from the tight end position. Well, counting Molly Cox and Kylan Granson, not putting in uh, Jelani Woods, that'll do. That'll do easily. Uh, Kylan Granson, four receptions, uh, 62 yards. And then Jelani Woods, one catch, 33. Ashton Doolin, two catches, 18 yards. Uh, those guys, those guys stepped up. I liked what I saw. Uh, you know, we, we've been asking, I think even yesterday, Marcus, there were some people complaining about, oh, man, well, this is why we need to get a vet receiver. The, a vet receiver is not going to help the areas that are hurting the Colts right now. That's not. In the skill position, the wideouts were not an issue yesterday because even though Michael Pittman was getting double teamed, guys stepped up. Moali Cox stepped up. Kylan Granton, Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, those guys stepped up. I did not walk away from the game yesterday thinking that we needed a vet receiver. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, the wide receiver room, you know, going into the season, we were so concerned to how it was going to look without acquiring a veteran wide receiver. And I would say, besides all the other nonsense we go through as close friends, this is the one thing they got right. Trusting these wide receivers to go throughout the year. Um, the wide receiver group stepped up huge. No matter, despite the loss, I think they played a very good game. Ashton Doolin was another guy that had a few catches. Um, throughout that stretch that uh, pretty much gave us momentum and the crowd besides the fumbles from Matt Ryan and the inconsistencies that we'll talk about later the crowd was so into this game you can hear it through the broadcast television that they were amped well hearing that crowd it made me want to be there they were so into it and of course we fell flat on our faces but the offense shown a sign of light that is a key thing going into next week that they're showing a sign of life and the wide receiver group definitely, you know, they stepped up in certain moments and they caught the football. Big Mo was out there being a dog. And, you know, the lack of use of Jelani Woods could have helped in the situation we'll talk about later. But uh, but definitely I was impressed with the whole tight end group and the wide receivers uh, besides the loss in general. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing that I came away with, you know, my biggest thought was about Paris Campbell. You know, he's been absent from from you know, production, basically. He's been playing the games, 
And I mean, that's our biggest thing, right? Be out there, be on the field and not on their injury report, not in the trainer's room, not up in the box because you're injured on the field. And uh, man, that's a solid shot of, of Black Panther. I got the game up to the side and it's on commercial, the Monday night football game. And man, that uh, shot of the Black Panther from that commercial, that's awesome right there. But uh, that was just quick, big Marvel fan. But uh <laughs> Paris Campbell needed this game. He needs he needs to start finding some consistency because still with him, he has this aura, this reputation that you still expect big things from him. You still expect him to step up. Essentially, you still expect him, given how this room has been constructed, you expect him to be your number two receiver. That's what you expect. And this is a guy who got love as a potential offensive rookie of the year, obviously when you had Andrew Luck. So, I thought it was just a good day all around from the others, you know, especially with Michael Pittman getting double covered the whole entire game. Obviously, Christian Fulton was shadowing. You had all the double coverage going Michael Pittman's way, forcing everybody to step up. And they showed it for the first time this season. Everybody as a whole stepped up and showed improvement. So that was something that I really did like. Uh, Second half defense. Another week, man. Four weeks in a row. So far in 2022, the Colts have allowed zero points in the fourth quarter. Uh, in, the, in the second half, the defense, the run defense for one, just got so much better. All right, Quiddy Pay had a had a strong game. You know, I went back and looked at the box score. Some of these quarterback hits and pressures I really didn't see during the game, but they're on the stat sheet. Right, two quarterback hits, uh, two, two quarterback hits, a sack and had a strong uh, I wouldn't say a strong but had an okay day and uh second half defense really forcing two quick three and outs coming out of halftime allowing your offense to still kind of gain a little bit momentum and again like just being able to step up second half defense you shut out the titans I thought <sighs> it, it it's a constant theme you know Starting out in the first half, you just look completely lost. And then in the second half, you calm down a little bit. The second half defense, and basically this defense alone, it makes me feel good like if we had a really good offense. Like this is a defense you can win with. Like a defense that shuts out a team, a former number one seed in the NFL, uh, shuts them out in the entirety of the second half. I want that defense. Marcus, I have said it for two years. In the fourth quarter is the money quarter. Four straight games, zero points allowed in the fourth quarter. I thought it was a strong uh, second half from them. Obviously, we're going to get into the other half of it. But for the last thing that we didn't like or that that we did like, second half defense definitely gets uh, gets a thumbs up because even though they dug the hole going down 21 points, they still gave the offense so many chances, so many chances to take this ball game, and the offense didn't. We'll get to that in a little bit. But for now, the second half defense had a really strong strong day in the second half. I loved every single part of the defense, Just besides the fact of the Titans, you know, scoring and all these things. But the defense, I say it so many times, the Colts have been a defensive team for many years now. Even with, you know, the inability to make the playoffs or, you know, getting shut out in the first half and all these things. But if you look at the Colts, of course, you'll see Jonathan Taylor on the offensive side. But overall, in general, 
you're going to know that the Colts are going to bring the heat on defense. And that's been a, a thing with the last coordinator and this coordinator. The guys, we have talent on both sides, but most of the talent is on the defensive side. And when you fix the rotations and put the pieces in together at once, it's a thing of beauty. And 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 yesterday against the Titans, they shown you what they can do. Now we all know the Titans kind of are kind of mid when it comes to second half performances, but we know how good the Colts can be in the second half as well. And again, the Colts defense stepped up, gave us a chance to win. Like I said, of course we couldn't come out with a W, but there is a sign of hope when you look at this defense. If we're fully healthy and all things are attached to how we can move, even when you've seen Isaiah Rogers Senior stepped on the field with that wrap-up tackle on Derrick Henry. Like, the corners was out there making good tackles. Rodney Thomas was out there playing good safety uh, football. Uh, even the even the pass rush, all these guys, we mentioned Quiddy Pay. All of us as a unit, besides the injuries, was still making impacts. Tyquan Lewis was out there. He had a good impact before he went out. And, you know, it was just the emotions, and everyone just know how bad they want to win. It's just unfortunate. We'll talk about it later, how, how we lost. But this defense is one thing that I love to see out of all sides of the Colts. Yeah, uh, there's going to be other things that we got to talk about oh, with the defense alone. Uh, but I thought, you know, just help from the others, showing improvement in that area. And if there's any things we want to take away from this game that are positive that the Colts could potentially, you know, try and turn around the season – is that the other stepped up in the second half defense? Gus Bradley is showing that he makes second half adjustments. Hell, our past defense coordinator got praised for second half adjustments. I didn't, I never saw him make second half adjustments like this. Shutting out teams in the entirety of the second half, allowing zero points in the fourth quarter. I like that. I like that in him. I like that. So if that can stay the norm and the defense continues, and mind you, this defense is not taking away the ball. They are not turning the football over and giving the offense a short field. So to still be able to shut them out and allow zero points, again, it, it's a real good thing uh, to show early on in the season, especially as the schedule is going to get a little bit tougher here. Um, and, boy, can you imagine? Got that angry Carson Wentz coming soon, right before Halloween. I, I I don't want to be Frank Reich and Chris Ballard if you end up losing that game. I, I don't want to be those two, especially after your owner not even led, but he just publicly on his own just humiliates the guy at any chance he gets. So definitely got to uh, – those two things definitely got to keep uh, trending upward. So let's get into some of the things we didn't like with this game. And, again, each week it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So what we're going to say here probably isn't even anything different from what we've said in the past. But uh, first thing I'm going to talk about is ball security with this team. Yes, Matt Ryan and uh, Jonathan Taylor, that fumble was just killer, man. You you had all the momentum on your side, and you gave it right back. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't think anyone's sure when the injury happened. I don't know if it happened on that play. It's kind of weird. You know, I, I look back at the at the replay. I don't necessarily see any twist or turn or anything like that with his ankles. So part of me is just like, 
he doesn't see the field again when he loses or when he fumbles a ball. It's weird. Uh, and then somebody said on Twitter the the injury happened a little bit earlier in the game. Like, so why did he come out of the game when he fumbled the ball? Like, why was that an issue then? Like, it it, it was weird. But ball security. And then Matt Ryan. Uh, there were a couple off the top of my head. One was not his fault. He was making a throw. Pressure got to him, and I believe it was the uh, uh, the fumble, but we recovered it back. We were in field goal range, but uh, I can't remember who got the initial pressure. But Matt Ryan had a guy, was about to make the throw, and he was hit, already making the throw in motion. It was going forward. He was hit, and heads-up play by Matt Ryan, Matt Pryor who I, I've never really seen that before in the NFL. I, and I wonder why it doesn't happen often where the ball is on the ground. Tennessee Titan player is heading there. And Matt Pryor just shoves the dude out of the way and falls the ball uh, falls on the ball. Heads up play by Matt Pryor. I mean, you potentially saved at that time, saved you, you, you kept yourself in the game by flipping the field position, which obviously that ended up helping. It, it was a heads up play, but... Matt Ryan has to have better awareness. He has to have better awareness. I, I go around and I look at other quarterbacks in the league. When they're in the pocket, man, they always got two hands on that ball. They always got two hands on that ball. They oh, it, Two hands never, ever leaves that ball, even when they're scrambling out of the pocket. Never leaves, unless you're like a Lamar Jackson and everything, Kyler Murray. But Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes – Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Like, they have two hands on the ball, and they have that mental clock in their head. I got to get rid of this, or maybe I just need to fall down, especially if you feel pressure. And these mental mistakes, fumbling the football, is just what you can't have from your 37-year-old quarterback. You can't have that. A lot of people are taking the opportunity, oh, my gosh, Matt Ryan was not the upgrade that we were told. He was not. I mean, outside of the fumbles, Matt Ryan has been much better than Carson Wentz, than, than what Carson Wentz was last year. And you could argue he had a better offensive line than Matt Ryan. Like, because Matt Ryan has been better. Outside of the fumbles, he has been better. He has ran the offense much better. The, when the offense is moving, it looks legitimately like a championship style offense when it is moving when Matt Ryan is in full control and it's hurry up it is in control but the fumbles is what's hurting you you have to take care of the ball better there is no other excuse or other way you want to go about it you just have to protect the ball much better because if your defense is not getting turnovers you can't turn the ball over you can't because that's a recipe to lose in this league. If your defense, although it's showing signs of life and it's not taking the football away, you cannot be giving the football away at the rate the offense has been, Marcus. Yeah, uh, the thing I usually say is one turnover leads to many. So, like, after that first one, I just know that something else is going to happen. And when you come to Matt Ryan's and Carson Wentz conversation, this goes – I agree with Carson Wentz having a better offensive line than Matt Ryan's. Uh, Carson Wentz's problem was he wasn't making the easy passes, which was the hugest issue because he always tried to play hero ball. You even see it right now as Washington. He'll not see he'll see a target, but he'll try to evade a pocket when nobody's really pressuring him. And for Matt Ryan's sake of the fumbles things, I think 
personally, I've seen this um, on Twitter, but I do think that this offensive line has broken Matt Ryan. And I've, I've came to a conclusion that when quarterbacks, and they mention how, how they ask them about these turnovers and things, that and they say they have, they have to be better, and they understand how, to, and Matt Ryan mentioned how you have to secure the ball with two hands. But personally, like when it's game time, all of that goes out the window. So it's just going to be a repeating uh, cycle, and we're just going to have to deal with it personally because you can say as much as you want, but when it's game time, most of that goes out the window, and you're not really thinking like that. So for Matt Ryan's sake, I think offensive line did break him, and it's going to be a continuing issue with the Colts if they don't protect him. And we've even seen flashes against the Titans of what this offense can be because Matt Ryan was still making some beautiful throws and he was stepping up in the pocket and making adjustments. He was doing all of these things in the same game that he almost lost us. Like I said, Matt Ryan, I mean, he gets majority majority of some of the blame, but in general, I think we can blame something else more than what we can just blame on Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan isn't the biggest issue as to why the offense isn't doing what they're doing personally. But like I said, Matt Ryan, in my in my mind, I think he's playing some decent football. It can be better, but for what he's trying to do, I understand. And he still has the ability to extend plays and try to win his games. It just has to all mesh perfectly into one circle. On this next one of what we didn't like segment, I'm going to pair these two together, offensive line and the running game. I hinted, I've hinted at this a couple weeks now. I've I've been for for what I know from what I've seen on Twitter. I've been the first one on this, and then had a talk with Kevin Bowen, and he he's seeing the same things. He even mentioned it on his radio show. Something's off with Jonathan Taylor this season. Like I get it, the offensive line is not performing well. The offensive line is struggling in the run game, but when the holes are created. When openings are made, he's not hitting them. For whatever reason, he's not hitting them. Three times, I thought he could have had 10-plus yards. Especially if you're Jonathan Taylor, you can make a linebacker miss. You can make a safety miss. You, you can do that. You're Jonathan Taylor. But he runs to traffic. It kind of dates. It, it takes me back to his rookie year. First eight games, he's just... Just sporadic. I mean, just just erratic. Just he, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just going, go, go, going. He's not calming down. Take a breath. Diagnose what you're seeing. He's not doing any of that this year. I don't know how many times he's missed a opening that the offensive line has made. One specifically, I mean, and these are leading to the offense being in second and ten, third and not, third and long. You can't be having that from your all pro running back. You can't. Jonathan Taylor has regressed this season. I get it. The offensive line is not moving anybody. But, man, there are times when they are, an an opening is made, and Taylor doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. Hell, he sees a hole, and he jumps back into the traffic. I I don't know. That's – why is he doing that? I have no idea. It's hurting the run game. It's hurting the offense. And you're getting yourselves into third, second and third and longs because of it. Now, the offensive line. Oh, my gosh. You made the switch at right guard. Still wasn't enough. Still wasn't enough. Uh, pass blocking, I thought, was better, obviously. So I think you should po- possibly stick with that change in terms of pass blocking. 
because Will Fries did put up a little bit of a challenge against Jeffrey Simmons. I think Jeffrey Simmons is better than Chris Jones, or Chris Jones annihilated Danny Pinter last week. But you saw the change made. And run game, it, it suffered a little bit, but it was his first career start, right, in a big-time division game. And then you have the pass blocking, which looked a little bit better, uh, ju- just watching it in real time. So, but then again, you also aren't blocking anybody. In the run game, you're not winning the matchups you're supposed to be winning. Man, Quentin Nelson got beat by Danico Autry. He just ran by him. He just ran by him. That's your $120 million guard. Your $120 million guard, Marcus. And for whatever reason, I know Colts fans want to keep reverting back. Danico Autry should should have never been let go. Maybe he should have. Maybe he shouldn't. At the time, I thought that it was, I mean, I've been on the record. I agreed with letting both Autry and Houston go because you had these young guys you spent second-round picks on. You had to know what you had in them. I agreed with it. But it doesn't mean that that doesn't turn out to be the wrong decision two years later. It's the wrong decision. I was wrong. Ballard was wrong. A lot of people who sided with the decision were wrong. And it bit you in the ass because of it. The stunt that basically lost you the game and Matt Pryor, I don't blame Matt Pryor for anything that happened yesterday. He put up a really good fight against Rashad Weaver, against D- Bud Dupree, and he allowed zero pressures on Matt Ryan. Zero pressures until the last sack of the game. And then everybody, man, we need to start rhyming. We need to start rhyming. I'm not about to bench a dude because he decided two minutes and 30 seconds left in the game, he decided to have a bad rep. I'm not about to do that, Marcus. Like, That's just stupid to me. I get it. He's the rookie. He's the new blood. You want to see him. I get it. But he's not better than Matt Pryor. Matt Pryor is getting better week by week, and he's showing it. He's showing it, Marcus. He's certainly surprising me. He's having good pass block reps. And then Ryan Kelly struggling up front against Danico Autry, Daquan Jones. Braden Smith is struggling a little bit. I thought this week was a little bit better from Smith. But just the offensive line in general, man, I I won't get over this. And I will continue to harp on this. You have way too many assets and money invested in this offensive line to allow this play to continue. This is not the play that the Colts are paying for. Why is it happening? I don't know. Quentin Nelson is getting beat. Ryan Kelly is getting beat. Well, Fries is getting beat. Braden Smith is getting beat. And Mike Pryor is getting beat. Like, if it's just not one thing, it's another. When someone decides to have a bad rep, it is at the worst possible time, Marcus. That's what I saw yesterday. The worst possible time. Yeah, it's kind of like when you just blink at a certain moment. You're like, oh, okay. Matt Ryan got tired. He's throwing, he making dots. And then... As soon as we're about to do something to move the chains, an accident happens and Matt Ryan fumbles or someone gets beat and he has to do something crazy. But it's just the offensive line, I agree. We have too much money invested in this line for them to not even hold up for Matt Ryan to do something. It's like, of course, we should put more money into a left tack, a premier left tackle. 
But for the right tackle, right guard, and center sake, it's kind of like we'll be better off with rookies at this point because there won't be a difference. Um, so I hopefully in this offseason, we'll do something to maybe reconstruct this offensive line, break it down, ship it off, and start from scratch and keep who we need to keep. Uh, if we have to keep Big Q, then keep him. But everybody else, I think we definitely need to work on it. But again, this has nothing to do with us as fans personally because we know this is up to management. If they are all, they're not even all chips in at this point. I'm not even going to say that. So, like I said, the offensive line in general is just terrible to watch. And for the run game's sake, I'm getting Trent Richardson vibes at this point because I don't know what is going on in that in the mental game for Jonathan Taylor. And I'm going to be honest, I think Jonathan Taylor came in this season injured, and he was just playing through it. And it was just held under the rug because knowing, knowing us as Colts fans, the Colts medical team, they'll say it's one thing, but in honesty, it's something else. So we're just moving on at this point and just waiting for the bad news to break. Uh, but personally, I do think Jonathan Taylor was hurt going into the season. He was playing through it. That fumble play, like I said, it didn't look like he got hurt there. So I think they used that as an excuse. Uh, we all know Jonathan Taylor has a, a fumble history coming from college. So it was only a matter of time anyway. But his lack of uh, vision to see the lanes... I think it has something to do with the offensive line, of, of course, because Matt Ryan sees ghosts. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Taylor seeing ghosts as well. So I think all of this is going back to the offensive line production, and it's not going to see anything. And me personally, I don't like the run game at all this season. And if it was up to me, I would throw the ball 70 times if I had to. If I can get some type of success out of the offense and it's coming from the passing game, as which, which we are seeing, just get rid of it. Just get rid of the run game. Use Hines. Use a double set, a double running back set to throw the defense off, you know, and use Hines more. It's just a, it's just that simple. Hopefully we can do that in this preview that we're going to be discussing with the Broncos. But as in me personally, get rid of the run game. Knock it off because it's not working. Yeah, I just. I've just grown frustrated with the run game in general. Uh, and another thing with the run game. Well, another thing that I'll harp on. You know, the offensive line, we just can't really say any more about it, but we're going to continue to harp on it until they decide to play up to their contract. That That's just the thing. I I really don't like towing the line and then crossing it when I challenge guys, grown men's manhood, who professionally play the sport. I always want to be weary of that, but damn, man, these guys have not played. As soon as they get their contracts, their play just falls off. As soon as they get these contracts, man, they just don't live up to it anymore. It's like they check out. Maybe not check out, but maybe they they just don't have that chip on their shoulder anymore. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're content. Maybe they just rest on their laurels and, you know, they made it. You know, they were the best offensive line for two years. Hey, we made it. We did our job. Like, I, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know. And I hate speaking like that, to be honest with you, because – Again, I just, I'm not in this locker room. I've never played the sport professionally. I have no business saying when guys don't know what they're doing or they just they checked out. Another thing, I mean, how many times are you going to fall flat in a, in a division game? The, we know what this game has meant to Jim Irsay as well. He He talks about it. He tweets about it. Tennessee's a big game. Big game. I mean – 
and, and this is another thing that annoys me with Jim Mersey. When things are going well, he's in the public talking to the fans, giving autographs, making tweets, all that stuff. But when things go to hell, crickets. Crickets. No accountability. Nothing. Not challenging the players. Not challenging on me. At some point, as the CEO of a franchise, you got to say or do something. Like, part of this does fall on Jim Ursay's shoulders. But I, 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 I do... I question what was Jim Ursay thinking yesterday? Marcus, when you sat down, and we still don't even know what was said today, but when you sat down at the end of the year last year, lost to Jacksonville, your season's done, and you sat down, Jim Ursay calls you into your, into your office, and he asks, what is the problem? What did Chris Ballard and Frank Reich say? What did they say? Did they throw Carson Wentz under the boat? We know how Jim Irsay feels about Carson Wentz. But what did they say? What did they point to what the problem was? What did they point out? Did they give him any real concrete answers? Because we know who the scapegoat ended up being, right? I mean, it's not the first time Jim Irsay wrongfully accused and scapegoated somebody. Pep Hamilton was his scapegoat in 2014 when his head coach and general manager was the problem, but he fired one of the better play callers in the league that year, Pep Hamilton. He has a history of this. Jim Caldwell took you to the Super Bowl. His whole team's injured the next season, and oh, well, hey, you're fired. Really? Jim Irsay has that. He has that history. So at what point do we as fans expect you to actually pour some effort and hard work into this? Because you expect us to pour our money, our time, our energy into your football team. You expect us, right? How much are those Colts tickets, Marcus? You think they're worth what, what, what they're selling them for? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Who the hell is trying to be in Lucas Oil Stadium for $300? I sure as hell am not. When I see that product in, I don't give a damn about no Maniac Burger or goddamn Grover Stewart Wings. I don't care. I want to see the product on the field. So you expect us to work 80, 90 hours, two weeks, invest our time, our money into your franchise. What are you investing into it? How are you repaying us? You know what the cost for Sunday ticket is, Marcus? And there are a lot of people that use Sunday ticket to watch the Colts. Monthly, it's $100 to watch four games a month. And then jersey sales. Apparel. Who all comes out to your training camp? Boy, you remember that bag of goods was getting sold to the to the fan base and training camp was sold out all this preseason? What have we gotten from it? Some Grover Stewart wings? Some Maniac burgers? To hell with the product on the field, right? I mean, at what point, I just ask myself, at what point do we start forcing some answers to come out? Because what has Jim Ursay been sold on? What was told to him? And now what is happening? Three division games in four weeks, and you don't even have a win in any of them. That is frustrating as hell. 
He has a tie in one of them, if that counts. That don't count worth the damn. That don't. That don't. You tied with the damn Texans, and you have the worst scoring offense in the NFL. No, sir. That's just That just can't happen. That just can't happen. I, I'm just stuck wondering, where do we even go from here? And there's there's a tweet circulating on Twitter right now, okay? There's a tweet circulating on Twitter. I don't know how credible it is yet, uh, but it does reference Peter King, and we know Peter King has relationships inside the Colts organization. Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard, players, we know that. So I'm going to say this tweet real quick, okay? Colts owner Jim Irsay has grown impatient with GM Chris Ballard and head coach Frank Reich, per source. And both of them are on the hot seat. And if there is not a major turnaround from the team soon, they both will be gone. As at Peter underscore King noted, the same applies to quarterback Matt Ryan. So, again, Jim Mersey, you are the owner. Chris Ballard, you are the general manager. Frank Reich, you are the head coach. When does this revolving door of quarterback stop? When does it stop? Because Jim Irsay, not only did you push Carson Wentz, it was your decision to push him out of Indianapolis. Right, Marcus? So, and who did he prop up this offseason? Who did he prop up as the answer to the Indianapolis Colts this offseason? Matt Ryan. But now he needs a major turnaround, right? So he wants to hold everyone else accountable except looking in the mirror and wondering, damn, maybe for one season I should stop giving a damn about guitars, music, and Muhammad Ali boxing gloves and worry about putting the right people in the right positions to run a damn franchise. Maybe that's what he should actually do. Stop fiddling around with guitar strings, drums, bass, hats, all that stuff making weird videos in front of a loud-ass plane, all that stuff. Just take a step back and say, you know what? I don't have Bill Polian anymore. I don't have Tony Dungy anymore. I don't have those guys doing the hard work for me anymore. It's not like Marcus, like legit. He doesn't have the greatest track record, okay? He doesn't have the greatest track record. This is the same guy who had Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson go to therapy to learn how to work together. And in the same offseason that it was known all over the world that those two did not work together, they did not like each other, guess what happened, Marcus? He gave them both extensions. That's the guy that that is the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. We love him. We love Jim Mercer. We know he's passionate about the Indianapolis Colts. But at some point, man, are you fit to be an owner anymore? Are you even fit to make those decisions anymore? Because, sorry, man, I see him more passionate about music than football. How many times does he go to concerts? How many times does he invite players out to concerts? How many times does he sell tickets, advertise these things going on? Free concerts, come on, come on. But we ain't going to discount those tickets for you. We still want all that money. I'm just tired of it, man. And it starts at the top. It starts at the top for Jim Mercer. And if you are so pissed off that you keep losing to the Tennessee Titans, do something about it. Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are at fault. They have not taken division games seriously. They haven't. 
At least Chuck Pagano was openly serious about division games. Openly. He was he even in press conferences, media availability, he showed that fire and passion for division games. Did he not, Marcus? All the time. All the time. But hey, they had a good week of practice, though, Marcus. It was a little bit more physical than usual. A little bit more. At, at some point, something's got to give. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, um, in general, this whole process is kind of just tiring because it's the same cycle over and over and over and over again. And the people that are causing these issues are still here. So it's obviously that maybe Ursi is content with these situations and don't want to change the front office because he knows what's at stake when you do that. But at this point, when you have a roster like the Indianapolis Colts, who could be better roster wise, but I still like I feel like they still have the talent to win the division. And you have a coaching staff that's pretty much kind of like don't know what they're operating with on the offensive side, and then you have an offensive line that you invested all this money in and they're not functioning correct. It's like who are you going to talk to to try to get this situation together? Because you mentioned it's all chips in in the offseason. And you make maybe three splashes on moves. And after that, you're still content with the same situations. You still have Isaiah Rogers Sr. not being used how he's supposed to. You still have Naheem Hines, who is a gadget player, not being used how he's supposed to. You have an injury, uh, uh, injured running back out there on the field. And you're not making any changes with that. And it's like, what, are you really all chips in? Are you really? Because it looks like you're not. And if you're all chips in, it has to be maybe Lay's potato chips. Doritos, and it's not the real chips that you want it to be. It's not casino chips. It's, it's something not clicking. And we mentioned the offseason when they had that discussion after the Jacksonville uh, loss. What did they say in that in that meeting? Did they even really talk, or did they just have a drink and say cheers on to next season, let's lock in next year? Because if you was really all chips in, and you know what the problem is, you see the offense all year just struggle. And you still have the same head coach making the play calls. Are you not going to fix that? Why didn't you get rid of that coach? If you if you see that's the issue, why didn't you do that? If if Ballard has all this money that he can go sign talent, he he his mindset is oh, they're not worth that contract. We we got guys for that. We'll build through the draft, and obviously that's not working as what you can see because there's better product in free agency that you can go get. You don't see that as an issue, but but you're frustrated after every loss. You should be in them locker rooms motivating these guys. If if you trust Ballard and you trust Frank Wright, you should be in those locker rooms before the games because the players are amped, and they always say how, how angry they are after the loss, and we need to be better. They're not going to voice the frustrations out because they know that's going to break the locker room. But you know what the problem is. So I think, personally, he should have fixed this, and if not, the season, like I said, is on to the draft. They got about three more weeks to get this figured out in my mind. I agree. I agree. Another thing with Frank Reich, you know how many snaps Naheem Hines had on Sunday? He had 19 snaps. Not 19 snaps. That was DeForest Buckner. He had 21 snaps. You know how many times the ball was in his hands? Two targets, one carry. That went for zero yards. 
why was this guy given an extension again? I know why he was given to it because he earned it. Was he used at all effectively? And I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, man, it was the way Tennessee was playing. I'm watching the game right now. San Francisco is doing anything it can to get the ball into Debo Samuel's hand. Lining them up, outside receiver, inside receiver, double uh, double running back sets, tight end, whatever the case may be. They're doing what they need to do to get the ball in one of their most dynamic players' hands, the most dynamic player. They're doing what they need to do. You know what's going on with Michael Pittman. Even when Jonathan Taylor came out of the game, he got one carry, Marcus. He got one carry. Where are the plays? Where are the designs to get him the ball? And and I would mention this. We don't give enough credit to Phillip Rivers because when Rivers was here, he understood the assignment with this roster. And they was much younger. And he still did what he had to do, even with the bad offensive line because he got sacked a lot too, and a noodle arm because he threw from the side. All of these mechanic issues and all these things, and Phillip Rivers still led the Colts to the playoffs, no matter what you say. Imagine if he had this roster right now. Imagine. I don't think we'll have these same issues, but I know personally as a quarterback, and I feel like even on Thursday, it, before we get into this preview, I feel like personally Matt Ryan is going to get flustered after the first or second quarter, and he's going to make adjustments on his own. And maybe that might be a, a kick in the face to Frank Wright because – Frank Wright's drawing up something, and it may be something that is not working, and maybe Matt, Fr- Matt Ryan might just take the lead from that personally. That's that's how I feel. I feel like there's going to be friction between the two, and Matt Ryan's just going to start calling his own plays because he doesn't want to lose. Yeah. Guys, there's not really much more we can talk about with this because we got another game here in the next three days, and that's exactly what we're going to get into. We're going to start this uh, short little preview uh, the Colts are going to Denver Mile High Thursday Night Football to take on the also struggling Denver Broncos. The Colts, the 32nd ranked scoring offense against the Broncos, the 31st ranked scoring offense. So, are we going to get a 3-0 game? I, I have no idea, but let's go ahead and get, get into it here. Both teams are walking into the game pretty banged up. Uh, right now, the Broncos... They're running back Javante Williams. They're, they're stud running back. They're a second-year guy. Torres ACL. He will be out for the year. Prayers up for him. Randy Gregory, their star free agent acquisition this past offseason. He has to get orthoscopic knee surgery, and that could possibly land him on IR. He is out. So that's gonna that, that's a big win for the Colts offensive line. Uh, other than that, Russell Wilson does have a shoulder injury as well, so that'll continue to get monitored. The Colts, however, did uh, go ahead and rule out Shaquille Leonard and uh, Shaquille Leonard and Tyquan Lewis out, both in concussion protocol. Especially now with what's going on with Miami and the awareness that's around concussion protocol right now, it's the good thing to go ahead and rule those guys out today. Don't let it even be a question. Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, he has a chance to play. That's what's being reported. He has a chance, but. You know, talk of it being a high ankle sprain. Me personally, I wouldn't even play him, especially if you want to if you want to ride him this season. I would say just hold him out and let him get the 10 days of rest. That's what I would say. Like you got two division come get two division games right after this coming right up. So it, it, it something's got to happen. 
Uh, so that's what's going on right now. DeForest Buckner still dealing with an elbow issue. He only got 19 snaps on uh, Sunday. So where is that going to go? Teams are walking into this game as usual, pretty banged up on Thursday night football. So let's go ahead and just talk about some, just some answers, you know. Denver's defense isn't, I wouldn't say, like, locked down, but they, they are tough. They are sound. Patrick Sertan and Michael Pittman Jr. is definitely going to be a really good matchup. That's definitely going to be a really good matchup I'm going to see. But, again, what about the others? Are the others going to get involved? And let's just say Jonathan Taylor doesn't play. Isn't this the game where Naheem Hines gets the ball in his hands like 30 times? Like 25, 20 times? Isn't this the game? Because we're over here talking about Phillip Lindsay. He's not He's not even running back three. He's on the practice squad. Why are we not talking more about running back two, Naheem Hines? And, I mean, on a short week, he should definitely be rested because he ain't done much this season. Coach hasn't gotten him the ball this season, so he should be well rested. I want to see Naheem Hines be a part of this game. I want to see him be a part of this game. I also want to see a little bit more help from the others. I want to see if they can keep that trend going a little bit, especially from the tight end room, man. Mo Ali Cox, Kylan Granson, Jelani Woods. I want to see how much uh, more, how much consistent they can stay with that production. Is it consistent? Can you bank on it? Or is it just an anomaly? And, you know, those things do happen. But can they? Can that be consistent? Running the football, I think, that's going to be a, a big aspect as well. I'm not sure if you're going to go run heavy again. I've never been the biggest fan of being run heavy in this league. It doesn't get you anywhere. It can get you somewhere, but you got to be able to pass the ball. And that's what I feel like this team has to do. Pass rush wise, obviously Gregory is going to be out. Bradley Chubb, however, I feel like he's struggled to live up to the number five overall pick. Uh, he's failed to live up to that, obviously, having tore his ACL uh, a couple years ago. Mm, well, we'll see where that's at, okay? He'll be matched up against Braden Smith, but maybe maybe Nathaniel Hackett might think, hey, let's match him up against Matt Pryor. Defense-wise, defense they're struggling as well. But what I want to see in this game is can the defensive line get some consistent pressure, all right? Because Yannick Ngakwe, last game, he faced the backup left tackle in Tennessee and barely got anything. Like, I think got one quarterback hit. That was it against the backup left tackle. Need better from that unit. Uh, it, it looks like uh, Tim Patrick is going to be out. Obviously, he was out before the season. And then another injury is going on uh, with one of their other players. It's another skill position player, but they're, they're going to be banged up. So going into this game, defense all the the defense i feel like it's gonna have to win this game for indianapolis the offense really i think it'll have its moments but for on the road well let me switch it up the offense has to repay the defense on this game the defense kept you in it they forced punts and they gave you the ball back time and time and time again in the second half and you did nothing with it so the offense is gonna have to have the day and bring the offense to denver but what history shows the visiting team on Thursday night football rarely wins those games. So I don't think the Colts are in a situation where they can just say, oh, if we drop this game, we'll be all right. It's an AFC opponent. Got to take it. Got to get it. Yeah, definitely got to go uh, lock in this game. It could definitely be a trap game for us, though. Um, and I think we're the trappers. I think we can go out there because Broncos are probably the better team 
because uh, they have a better offense, in my opinion, with the passing game. And you know, the secondaries, I don't want to. I don't want to risk it. I feel like Matt Ryan's going to throw. Uh, I think he's going to try Patrick Sertain, and I know he's going to be locked up on Marcus Pimmy Jr. But Sertain has been guarding elite wide receivers all season so far, and he shut down. He played very good against Devontae Adams uh, last week, so I'm pretty sure he's going to be bringing that momentum into this game. And Michael Pittman, it, Michael Pittman Jr. is no Devontae Adams. He's a dog, but Patrick Sartain is going to have his answer for Michael Pittman Jr. And like I mentioned last week, I mentioned Alec Pierce is going to be a, uh, he's going to show off and going to have to show up against the Titans, and he did. And I'm going to have to go with that again this week. Uh, it's a short week, but I'm going to need him to step up against the Broncos, knowing where Sartain is going to be located. We're going to need a lot of motion on that offense. And for the run game sake, we mentioned Hines uh, being running back too. Throw that out the window. I, if I see Naheem Hines running the football, I'm going to be upset because he's still being misused. He is a running back on the depth chart. But in my eyes, he's a gadget player that can elite take off the passing game. He can just open it up for everyone else. Knowing how he can be managed, if he's being managed as an actual running back, it's going to get us nowhere but it's going to get me upset because we know how good he can be. And for, for the defense sake for the Colts, we know they're going to show up. But we still have to go up against Russell Wilson, who's going to lob the ball up the field. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to be ecstatic to see how this defensive secondary is going to show against Lob City Russell Wilson because he's going to lob the football up, and that's what he's a gunslinger. That's what he's known for doing. But I think Thomas and oh, I hope, I really, really, really hope Isaiah Rogers Sr. sees just more snap count than Brandon Faison like he did last week because he's seen more snaps, and I feel like the defense was more impactful. This doesn't take away from Brandon Faison, but I just think when we're talking about just, like, special talent, I think Isaiah Rogers Sr. has it, like, has it over him. I don't care about the familiarity with Brandon Faison and Gus Bradley. Isaiah Rogers Sr. is a dog. I mean, he showed it. He wrapped up tackle Derrick Henry on, like, was the first snap he got in the game, and he was electric. He was he was lit. And he, I, me watching him play, I wanted to get out and put a helmet on. And I ain't that. I ain't a football player, but his energy that he brings to the game is something that you will want on the defense. And like I said, the defense has to get some slack cut. The offense is going to have to show up this week. They're going to have to show up against the the Broncos. Now, of course, the secondary is pretty decent, but I think Matt Ryan with his ability to extend, I think he can make some plays happen. And he might fumble maybe once or twice, but that's just that's just him at this point. But I think for sure the offense has to be the reason we win this game. Do not use Naheem Hines at running back more than wide receiver. Yep, I, I, I agree. So what, uh, prediction-wise, where are you going in this game? Well... I really hope the Colts win this game because we win the games we should lose. So we beat the Chiefs. I think we can actually beat that division. So I'm going to go with the Colts winning. Uh, it's going to be a low-scoring game in my opinion. Uh, so I'm going to say 17-14 Colts. 17-14. Ooh, man, you're still not passing 20 points. Um, Godly. I think I'm going to go with uh, what history has been telling me, you know, the home Thursday night team, they, they they always win. They don't have to travel. They're not jet lagged or anything. They're also not sore. Just the, the travel takes some toll on you as a player. So 
I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos this game. This is definitely a game that the Colts need to try to win. Like, this is a game, again, you've dug yourself another hole, not just in the division, but if you keep losing to AFC teams, that's going to hurt you in December when you're trying to get back into the wild card picture and you have those head-to-head matchups in other people's favor. So uh, this is an important one, but but I'm going to go with the Broncos on this one, man. Uh, I'm going to go with them 23-14 to 14 in, in this game. Um, Broncos at home, man. You know, mile high, the altitude teams, for some reason, it looks like Russell Wilson's still uh, adjusting to that altitude. But, hey, hopefully it's a good one. This is going to be – Hopefully there are good things to talk about. I don't know. But other than that, guys, this has been another another episode of the Blue Stable Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with us along this ride in this episode. And, hey, there's still a chance the Colts can make something of this season. But if they can't, it's not always the end of the world because you got two really good prospects waiting for you in April. But at the same time, we're trying to win. So. Guys, once again, if you haven't already, make sure to give this video a like, thumbs up, subscribe down below, and make sure to hit the notification bell. That way you are notified anytime content is dropped on the Blue Stable YouTube page. Also, check out our website at thebluestable.com. All of that info, our social media, will be down in the description below. Marcus, any other words before we head out? The Colts need to wake up. I feel like they're jet-lagged like mentally all year. Of course, we feel like Frank has lost the locker room. I mean, it's pretty evident at this point, but the Colts in general, coaching staff and the players need to wake up. The season is pretty much here now. So you need to do something to prove to the NFL that you are worthy for television time because we scream for TV time, but the way they play football, I don't even try to watch them on TV. That's embarrassing. So that's my message. There you go. Okay. Well, other than that, guys, we will see y'all. What is it? Man, I'm not. I want to see what the result is when I decide when you guys are going to see us again. I want to see the result of this game. So hopefully we get to 2 2 and 1, but you never know. So, other than that, guys, we will see y'all next week. All right. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.